We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. You know, this Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students. America first. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost. The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic. guys I wanted to do an urgent education I forgot to put that in the notes and I want to do a brief one uh, on a section of the Liberty University training that I've done on our forgotten heroes uh, I know Juneteenth was Monday and I was just pondering that and a lot of the narrative in the the purposeful switching of history as well as the ignorance of our true history and it's fascinating you know like the other day I was watching Fox and they were interviewing a, a former athlete who happened to be a, a black gentleman and they were talking about you know July 4th and Juneteenth and you know like there's just a, this um, animosity a lot of times toward July 4th especially with the 1619 project fallacies and you know, he was talking about, you know, Frederick Douglass and what he had to say about July 4th. Like, what is July 4th to me? Uh, but what he did include is that later Frederick Douglass, when he actually read the founding documents, including the, um, the Constitution, and he recognized the language that was put in the Declaration and the intent of the founding fathers to end slavery within, I believe it was 20 years uh, post signing of the constitution, which was in, I believe, 1789. Um, because he saw and he read for himself, he understood that our founding fathers included language in these legal documents that would eventually lead to the ending of slavery. And so he completely switched his mentality when it came to America and what America stood for. And then he uh, began working with Lincoln uh, for the emancipation of slaves. And so, um, you know, you, you got to know the whole history. It's like with the word, you, you know, it's not parts of the word that's truth. It's the sum of the word that's truth. And that the, the truth often lies between the tension of two seemingly opposing thoughts. And so I just recommend people that are honest and that have integrity to read the original documents, read the original letters and the words of our founding fathers. And uh, so I just wanted to highlight some of the heroes who just happened to have a different skin color, who were black, uh, that because of them, we have a country. And one of my, my favorite is Crispus Attucks. And he was the first man to give his life for this country. In fact, I think not only was he, you know, he was the first black man, but he was like the first man that gave his life. And he was a freed slave who had become a whaler 
for the merchant marines. And he heard, like, their their ship was docked in the Boston uh, port. And he heard what he thought was um, a fire on the ship. And when he went up to um, the deck, he realized that his own country, Great Britain, was firing upon its citizens. And so he took up arms and uh, he went back below deck and got 55 of his shipmates to come out. And he gave his life so that we could be free. This event was known as the uh, Boston Massacre. And it says, honor to Crispus Attucks, who was leader and voice that day, the first to defy, the first to die with Maverick, Parr, and Gray. Call it a riot, a revolution. His hand first clenched at the crown. His feet were the first in perilous place to pull the king's flag down. His breast was the first one rent apart so that liberty's stream might flow. For our freedom now and forever, his head was first laid low. Call it riot or revolution or mob or crowd as you may. Such deaths have been the seed of nations. Such lives shall be honored for a. The next one that is um, one of my favorites is uh, George Middleton. So he was a freed slave. He was a member of the uh, colonial militia called the Bucks of America. And they were battalions of free slaves that believed in the vision of liberty for all. And, and that's part of the, the legal language that was put in our declaration so that we would have a legal standing to end slavery later. And he knew that freedom was the only way, freedom from Great Britain was the only way to end slavery because, and a lot of people don't realize that, the Revolutionary War was also an emancipation attempt because Great Britain was obstructing every effort. And their law was that you, like, they were forcing slavery on the colonists. And you could not say no. I mean, it was, it was British law. And so what would happen is a lot of the slave ships would come over to the American ports and it was against the law to turn them around. And so what they did is they bought the, the, um, the slaves, but they bought them as indentured servants. And so they would work about seven years on a plot of land. And then at the end of the seven years, that land was given to them and then they were free they were freemen and they had their own land they had their home and their family the first slave was actually um from a black man because he had a um an indentured servant that was lazy and he refused to work and he wouldn't let him go free so it went before the supreme court and the supreme court decided that that man would be a, a slave forever and that actually began um the practice of us owning slaves versus the indentured servant plan. It was also against the law if you inherited slaves uh, to sell them, I mean, to uh, free them and, until your death. So George Washington, you'll notice when he died, he freed his slaves, but he couldn't free his wife's slaves. Um, and, and that law hadn't been changed in America. So when she died, she freed hers. So uh, there was a legal aspect, and they were very litigious. They were very um, legally minded, and all of our founding documents are legal documents. So for George Middleton, fighting Great Britain that was obstructing the, free, free, the freeing of slaves um, was, was emancipation process. And, uh, and he also knew that a lot of the colonies were attempting to outlaw it, including Virginia. Virginia was one of them that was attempting to. But the government of Great Britain wouldn't let it happen. And they would threaten the colonies with financial sanctions. And we were so new and young, that was that would have been the end of America. So um, Colonel George Mason, he expressed his frustration during 
our Constitution's ratification debates, he said this infernal traffic originated in the greed of British merchants. The British government constantly checked the attempts of Virginia to put a stop to it. So once our, um, our independence was declared, the newly formed states of America created a policy that any slave that helped fight for independence would be um, a free man forever. And, um, and then Roger Sherman, he was a delegate from uh, Connecticut to the Federal Conviction Convention on the um, 22nd of August, 1787. He observed that the abolition of slavery seemed to be going on in the U.S. and that the good sense of the several states would probably by degrees complete it. Uh, so there were several things, you know, that were going on. Well, anyway, George Middleton, he, he fought and he was a citizen of the state of Massachusetts. He was a free man. And then he started the African Benevolent Society, <clears throat> excuse me, in 1796 to help care for the widows and orphans um, of those that had been lost in battle. Another one is Peter Salem. He joined the Continental Army as a free man. He fought in the Battle of Bunker Hill. He received a Medal of Honor from George Washington in the battle because he was given credit for killing British Major General uh, Pitcairn, Washington said that if it wasn't for his, if, if it hadn't been for his bravery, the battle might have completely turned around uh, in favor of the British. Uh, Ned Hector, he was another freed slave that fought in Brandywine in Germantown. Um, they, the, they didn't go the way we wanted those battles, but he ended up saving the horses and he refused to quit until he got the horses. And so he received honor. Um, and then one of my favorites, I want to read um, a book about him, is James Fort Fordenin. And he was the grandson of a slave, but he was a son of free blacks. And he was 14 years old when he entered into the battle for liberty. And he actually stood up in Philadelphia and he heard the Declaration of Independence read aloud for the first time. I can just imagine um, what he felt. And one of our grievances against Britain was the slavery issue. Uh, that's actually in our declaration. And a lot of people, they never read the, the grievances. So they don't know that. So at 14, he joined the royal ship Lewis with Captain Stephen Decatur. In 1781, uh, the ship was taken uh, by the British. And so then James was taken as a prisoner. And the captain of the conquering ship, he took him onto his own ship. And he grew fond of the little boy and he offered to take him home to Great Britain and that, you know, he'd have, you know, just all kinds of amenities for being a companion to his son. I mean, he, he loved this kid and, uh, the young boy refused the captain's offer. He said, I have been taken prisoner for the liberties of my country and never will prove a traitor to her interests. And, uh, and so he would be held captive for like seven months before he was released in a, a prisoner exchange. And uh, Phyllis Wheatley, um, she was born in Sengal, West Africa. She was so, sold into slavery at the age of seven, but her family took her in as a family member. They taught her how to read and write. And by the age of 14, she had published uh, uh, poems in a local paper. And she wrote a very famous poem about George Washington called To His Excellency George Washington. She said, Auspicious heaven shall fill with favoring gales where e'er Columbia spreads her swelling cells. To every realm her peace, her charms display, and heavenly freedom spread her golden ray. So those are just some of them. We had uh, Spaniards, we had women, 
um, you know, the whole thing that women couldn't vote and all that, that wasn't true. That didn't happen until later on. And, uh, you know, women that fought, I mean, it just, it's, it's a neat history, but I just wanted to highlight um, the black men and women that are true patriots that fought for our country. Um, I, I mean, I will forever be grateful to them that they did. So in celebration uh, of recognizing the emancipation of slavery in this country, um, I just wanted to highlight them this week. So hopefully tomorrow I'll be able to do the hub teaching. If not tomorrow, it will be Friday. We'll continue our study of Revelation. So have a good night. Small is a new big. God is shifting from the current church structure back to his original intent and design, the ecclesia. The ecclesia is the original word that was used when Jesus was describing that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it in Matthew 16, 18. In fact, most of the time when you see church, it's actually ecclesia. The ecclesia is his ruling government on earth made up of two or more. It's a noble or Go to churchshift.me. That is churchshift.me.